Um, we do have Mr. Keith Rosen here and Jason Princeton. Jason Princeton is going to be hosting this call and asking the important questions from Mr. Keith. But I will go on mute and I will be on the chat box ready to support you and answer any questions you all have. But take it away, big guys. We're excited for today's session. Nice. Right. Thank you, Samal. And uh, everyone that's on this call already, uh, thank you to those that pre-submitted some questions. As we get working through um, a conversation with Keith today, if you think of a new question or if you didn't have a chance to submit, please get into that chat box and um, share it. And we'll try and, and work through some of those as well. Um, I'm excited. I'm grateful. We are joined with uh, by Keith Rosen. He is best-selling and award-winning. I'm sure you love hearing that um, in all of these uh, intros, Keith, but Keith's got global reach. I mean, this guy is all over the place. And um, six years ago, I read this book. You can see this one. Uh, and that's where I was introduced to Keith. And uh, in this book, there's a passage uh, and the passage says there's there's four, five main reasons why managers don't coach. They think they're coaching, but they're not. They had awful training. There's no company-wide alignment on what coaching is and how to do it. There's no plan or process to ensure consistent, effective coaching. And they're not being effectively coached themselves. That passage was so impactful and so influential. That's the reason we have a coaching process here at Be Mobile now. It's the reason that all of you leaders have gone to coaching process training camp. So thank you for that, Keith. Then Keith came and joined us at our summit in 2019. We gave away his autograph. He gave us some, some cool, unforgettable little sticky concepts. Double dipping questions is still something I think about. Maybe that'll even come up today. But I was very grateful to have Keith here with us. He is um, really interested in helping us with our very specific situations and your specific questions. So that's really cool advice. Thank you for being here, Keith. Oh, deeply my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jason. Uh, I'm gonna start with, I just tried to build you up as much as I could there. This is your best hype man uh, that I can be at 8.30 Central. In all your globe trotting and all that cool stuff you've done to this point, who's like the coolest person or the coolest company that you've had a chance to work with or or coach or give advice to what's your like you've so, been with like WNBA like where's your coolest spot you've been other than you guys Jason yeah it wasn't that was not a softball but yeah I'll just say I don't know that was a, a baiting question right there uh you know that's that's like asking me out of the 76 countries I went to on six continents which is my favorite because every company is so unique and I feel it's, I have the saying, you know, it's like, I have this opportunity to kind of look behind the boardroom, see what's really going on. And uh, it fascinates me globally while every company and every geographic location has its own culture, the challenges are global. The, ma the management is hard enough. Now it's even harder than it ever was before. Uh, when I went to Saudi or when I went to Italy or Spain or Greece or anywhere else I've been, the challenges managers still face with are the same. So to me, to answer that question as best as I can is uh, my favorite, favorite companies are the ones where I have great leaders like here that are on the call that are just hungry and thirsty to want to learn and they're open to it because 
they know that their primary priority is their people. And if they can keep that in front of their line of vision, every leader will always be successful, which is why you invited me here. And, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, I can say, yes, you are correct. Uh, the sports industry is a lot of fun to work with. There's no question. Uh, and, and just for the record, guys, um, I don't work with the players. I work with the people that actually sell the tickets and sell the sponsorships to be able to play, pay the players. Uh, it's very exciting because, and I would actually, this is a, a really great segue, Jason. Um, the word passion jumps up for me. So there are times when I'll walk into certain cultures and it's just like, what are your numbers? Are you going to hit your quota? We have a lot of turnover. Disengagement is high. And I'm thinking, great, I can help you. However, the companies that are a lot of fun to walk into are the ones that like in the sports industry, they're young and tenure and age. They're like, I want to learn everything. I know I'm not, I want to be a great coach plus you're in the sports industry, which kind of has a great correlation to coaching right there. But, you know, I'm going to these arenas all over the country and wherever I go, these managers are just ready to want to make a difference. And I think, you know, to me, if I can work with any organization, whether it's with you, whether it's with LinkedIn, Microsoft, Oracle, uh, Johnson & Johnson, uh, you know, just to name a few of the companies I've had the pleasure and the privilege of working with globally, to me, that to me is the fundamental, I guess, characteristics of the companies that I love to work with. Most. Mm, passion. I like that. We have some passionate folk in our company, for sure. Hyper competitive. Um, and one of the things you talk about um, with those sports teams, that youth, you mentioned the youth, a lot of young managers. We have a lot of young managers as well. We've got a lot of uh, leaders that are in their first leadership position, likely. Um, so they're navigating that experience. What advice is do you give to young leaders as they're working on kind of establishing a, a coaching um, culture or a coaching ability? What For the youngest leaders out there, what's the advice you give them? So uh, I have one question to precede that before I respond. And... And I don't want to make assumptions because if we chat about assumptions, that's the root cause of all evil, as we hopefully all know that. And how many of these leaders that you're referring to have graduated from a sales position? What percentage would you say? Um, whether it was internal or external, oh boy, probably 80% have had some level of sales experience. Yeah. 80%? So 80%, 80%, 80%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and the rest, new managers? Or out of industry. Yeah. With sales experience? I'd say no. I'd say 20% might not. I mean, okay. Fair enough. So here's what happens. Sales experience or not, sales manager, non-sales manager. Here's, here's the global epidemic. Uh, what happens is this. And it's one of the reasons why I'm here because uh, the company uh, wants to invest in you guys because you're the priority. What I see, regardless of age, tenure, industry, or culture, the one thing that managers need to give up to start being a great coach is to stop making it about you and to start making it about everyone else. 
One of my favorite quotes is by Gandhi, and believe me, I am so not comparing myself to Gandhi right now, okay? But uh, it's in order to serve yourself the best, lose yourself in the service of others. And, and to me, that, that really resonated with me because if we could wake up every day and not ask, okay, how am I going to hit my goals and my business objectives? But if we can wake up every morning and say, how, you know, what's the difference that I can make today in someone's life? What, which, which you guys do every day. You know, you're not just selling a product. You're selling an experience. You're selling safety. You're selling peace of mind. You're selling efficiency. You know, you're selling productivity. I can keep going. I mean, what you guys sell is exciting. You don't often look at it that way, but it is. Uh, and plus, you guys are on the cusp of technology. So, again, getting back to Jason's first question is we have a, a global challenge of, of people, whether you're in sales or non-sales, getting promoted into management. Uh, the problem is, is that 95% of organizations, probably I'm being generous, don't provide any type of of uh, transition into management. They don't provide any formal training into management. And they certainly don't provide any formal coach training for their managers. So now let's play this out. You're a great salesperson. Chances are one of the reasons why I could promote it to management. So one day your manager looks at you and says, hey, listen, you wanna be a manager? And you're looking around saying, yeah, sounds great. I'm a manager. Ooh, just like that, you're a manager. Now, what do you know? You know how to sell. Yeah. You don't know how to coach. You don't know how to empower other people. And it's not your fault because it's a, it's a skill we need to learn. So what's, what's the default here? People come to you. You want to serve them. In our mind, serving them is giving them the answer. Okay. So now what happens? We be, we've adopted the role of chief problem solver, not coach, not sales leader. Right now, as the role of chief problem solver, basically what we've created is a bunch of dependent people that are waiting on that proverbial line for coming to us for an answer. And here is the problem we cannot scale dependency. You, as a leader, will not have time to engage in the activities that are going to move you closer to your goals. If you're spending most of your day putting out everyone else's fires and solving their problems, okay? That doesn't build a bench of future leaders, which is your primary purpose. That just builds a team of people that are dependent on you. Mm. And if they're dependent on you, the real irony is every time you give them an answer and it doesn't work, they get to come back to you and say, hey boss, I tried that, didn't work. Not my fault. It's your fault. So congratulations. Not only have we created a team of dependent people where we're spending our day solving problems and putting out fires, but now if the solution we give doesn't work. So what can you do immediately? That is a mind shift. We need to shift from making it about us and moving from a place of uh, coercion or manipulation to coaching and creating new possibilities. And you can only do that through asking the right questions. Big stuff there. You got a lot, uh, you got a lot in the, put the put it on the, be about the people, not about yourself. Uh, Gandhi, Gandhi, Keith, Gandhi, Gandhi, I mean, that was a pretty good quote there. Um, 
And then you hit on the fact that you, you get you get promoted from being a salesperson. You know how to you know how to you know how to sell. You don't necessarily know how to coach. Might be left out there. Thankfully, we read your book and we did put together a process. We 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 are trying to help with that transition hey, better than I never said you fell into that category. You guys are more the fact that I'm here already demonstrates you guys are like the one percent of companies that actually understand in order to build a high performance culture, there's only one way, and that's getting everyone to think and act like a coach. Yeah. I love that. And um, so we're trying. How can we do that better? How do we? So when a, when a, one of our leaders goes through the training, they, they've got a process and then they try and go back to the store and they give they Now they're going to give it a whirl. They're not going to go to chief problem solver. They're going to give coaching a try. Mm -hmm. And maybe the first conversation doesn't go well. Maybe the report is like, uh, this is this. You don't sound like you normally sound. This feels insincere. Things are weird when you're actually trying to do it in a coaching way and that you run into some of those roadblocks. What's that person to do? There are two um, and I'm generalizing when I say this critical skills or should I say frameworks that I spend working with leaders through my leadership coach training program. And that is number one, skill set, number two, mindset. Okay, that's it. So when, when we're talking about what can a leader do to, uh, you know, to start, what can they do immediately to start doing? Uh, or to your point, Jason, I want to make sure I built out the, the right question. There was another part to your question. Can you just repeat that uh, second part? So once they give it a try and it just feels awkward, how do I push through that? Thank you. Thank you. So just setting the, the foundation there. Um, the one thing, uh, like I said, there are two, two, two frameworks, the leads framework, which is I write about my coaching framework, and then the enrollment framework. Um, the leads framework uh, and the framework you use is meant to facilitate coaching conversations. Uh, the enrollment framework, what happens when you now have to approach people with an agenda. So now they're not coming to you and saying, hey, boss, I need your help. You have to go to them because you've observed something, whether it's behavior, whether it's an opportunity for them to improve, and whether it's something that you need to roll out to the team, um, changes, which of course people always love, uh, things like that. You now have to initiate the conversation. I'll be, as my friend saying, Boston, wicked clear about this. If you are initiating any conversation around trying to create buying or change, you must set positive intent. That's what enrollment is all about. If you do not set positive intent, you do not create buying. If you do not create buying, that means the people or team that you're speaking with are thinking, what's in it for me? Because in every conversation, you could say, hey, guys, this is what we're doing. And that's great. And you can play the power card and be the manager. But does that person understand the why behind the what? That's what managers miss the most. It's not just here's what we're doing. It's here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. 
and this is what's in it for you. That's the most simplistic model of enrollment that I can give you that you can use in every conversation. Now, why is this so critical? Because if you do not set positive intent, here's the human condition. When people don't know your intentions, when intentions are unclear, people default to fear. So, for example, if you are experiencing, I'm going to make you guys' life super easy right now. And this is also, let's be clear, this has everything to do with sales as well. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. This, is, this is really encompassing sales and leadership. If you, and we can actually go even further and say our personal life. Yeah. If you are experiencing resistance to something that you are making a request of or need to get buy-in of, an, an engagement of, okay? If you need to get that and you're not, it means one thing, you didn't enroll them. So for example, building off Jason's point, you're, you're excited, you're like, okay, I got some great coaching questions. I understand the concept. I can build an independent accountable team rather than a dependent team by empowering them with asking questions so they can self-reflect, so they can develop their critical thinking skills. I'm totally in, I'm ready to do it. And there you are, you have your first opportunity to coach. Someone comes over to you and they ask you a question, hey boss, running to this situation with this one customer, what do I do? Now, let's say that person's been working with you for five years, one year, six months. That means for six months, one year or five years, you were, you were not resigned from the role of chief problem solver. You were exploiting it, all right? And all of a sudden, one day, after six months or a year or two years or five years, you show up. And when your coachee asks you for a question, say, hey, I need your help, boss, you start responding with, so, you know, help me understand where you want to be at the end of this conversation. <laughs> what have you tried so far? How did you do it? What did the last conversation sound like with that customer, or employee, coworker? What is your opinion on what you can do to move forward to resolve this and achieve the results you want? We're not leading with those questions. And even if we are, and if you don't enroll them, you are going to freak people out because you're starting to ask these questions and they're thinking, am I in trouble? Right. Why are you drilling me? Are you putting me on a performance improvement plan? Am I getting terminated right now? People default to fear. Why? Even if you are, and I know you are coming from your best intent, if you don't set the intention of change, that you will be managing them to support them in a different way that's going to help them be more successful, they will inevitably push back always, always. So what do you need to do to remove any resistance or reluctance to coaching? And this also includes my favorite scenario where you're working with that person and they're like totally into the coaching, right? Oh, this is so cool. Jason, oh man, I totally agree with you. Oh, this is great. I'm, I'm all over it. And then during the next coaching session, nothing changes. So it's like, wait a second. Person seems to be open to coaching. What are they just kind of telling me what they think? 
I want to hear. And I think a lot of managers have been in that position. That's trust, my friends. If people are resistant to coaching, that's trust. If people are resistant to change, observation, it all comes down to one thing, trust. How do you build trust in one conversation? One conversation, enrollment. Set positive intent. So I'm going to give you guys a really simple example of enrollment. If I'm uh, uh, I'm Jason's manager and and you know I just went through this mind blowing coaching hour long session with Keith and I'm ready to go coaching, right? So I can't just start asking Jason questions because Jason's used to me just giving the answers. Is he's going to be like, who is this evil clone who's just asking me questions all the time? That's so funny. I need to take a step back because I'm resetting the rules of the game. And that could sound like this. Hey, Jason, listen, what I want for you is to be as successful as you can in your position. And in order to do so, I feel that I'm responsible for that. And if I'm responsible for that, that means I need to be the best leader and coach I can be. And that's why right now I'm learning how to coach. And I would love to shift the type of conversations we're having Instead of me continually giving you the answers, I'm, I'm going to start trusting you because I believe you already have the questions, which means I'm going to start asking you more questions than give answers because I believe you can do this on your own and that's what's going to develop you. So what I'd love to do is sit down, maybe take 30 minutes or so, and really just set the precedent, set the parameters of what this coaching is what your definition of coaching is so we can align on a positive one, especially if you've had bad experiences being coached, uh, set some parameters around our coaching and some goals and what it would, uh, what we can do to make it most valuable for you. Are you open to having that conversation? Absolutely. I'm open to having that conversation. Okay. Now they understand your intent. That's when people are bought in. Because if you do a really good job enrolling people, they'll always want to follow or take the initiative. And that's why the greatest leaders in the world over time, where there were hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people following the causes of solving world peace or eradicating hunger, you know why? Because it was never about the leader. It was always about the greater good that people wanted to be part of. And now we're just taking this macro level of enrollment and bringing it down to uh, a micro level with our team and to each individual. Yeah, oh, that's big. Um, Samal's uh, capturing uh, some of your wisdom in the chat and um, I hope others are, are taking notes. I set positive intent, exclamation point, underline, underline is what I wrote because I can think of uh, probably three coaching conversations that I've had in the last 60 days where I did that poorly. Um, and had I did that better, the conversation would have been better. So uh, that's really cool. You bring up something really, really valuable. I don't want to step over what you just said. No, uh, good. Just because you had a, con and when I say you guys, I'm using the universal unit. Just because you had a conversation that either, in your opinion, failed, which I don't believe in failure, I just believe in new opportunities. Uh, or if it didn't go your way, or you didn't achieve the result you want, or you're like, oh my God, I totally botched up that coaching session. Here's the beautiful thing. You can always go back 
and reset the conversation. Think about that. Oh, Keith, I'm, I'm struggling with this one customer. Oh, Keith, I'm struggling with one of the, my coworkers. Uh, you know, manager struggling with, with one of their direct reports who's, you know, struggling with performance. Uh, you have a coaching session. It didn't go very well. Well, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I destroyed coaching forever. No, you didn't. You had one experience. Mm. Experiences make up our lives. And you can create a new experience now. So what would that sound like if you, quite frankly, screwed up a conversation? Doesn't matter with who. This is what you do. And this is why you can always build trust and reset trust if it was violated or if it's in a relationship where you feel is not as strong and you need to build it. And this is what it would sound like. Again, that's theory, guys. You know, theory is critical. You need that. You can't act on it. So now let me give you the actionable part here because this is what mis is missing most. Hey, you know, Jason, now listen to the language here because coaching is the language of leadership. If you speak Italian, French, Urdu, uh, German, uh, it doesn't matter. We are learning a language here. In the most simplistic form, coaching is a mindset and a language. It's speaking in a more profound, empowering way through questions. So uh, now if I'm using enrollment and I messed up a lot, let's say, let's say, you know, Jason and I, we just, it wasn't even a coaching session. It could have been just a conversation where it just didn't go very well. And I'll, the only way that I could repair that is I have to take full accountability for that. So now I go back to Jason and I say something like this, you know what, Jason, I owe you an apology. In our last conversation, there were things that I did or said that I really wish I could have done in a different way. Uh, and I want to apologize for that if that impacted you negatively in any way. And I would love to hit the reset button on our conversation and start creating something new and a new possibility that would be helpful and help us both uh, achieve success. Guys, does that help you breathe like a sigh of relief? It's like, oh, there's never, there's never, you see, this is what, let's blow this out of the water. There's never a second chance for a first impression. Yes, there is. Yeah. Yes, there is. If you mess up once, you can always go back. And the language of, I'm sorry, I can really use your help. That immediately opens people up because the human condition is that people do want to help. So when you ask people for help and you apologize and demonstrate vulnerability-based leadership, as in other words, being human, it creates a new possibility. You can do that anytime. So hope that's lining well with everyone. Well, that's really good. Um, an industry analogy here, maybe here. If we get one iPhone returned by a customer because the sound, it's not, sound's not working or something, we don't stop selling iPhones. If we have one bad coaching conversation, we don't stop coaching, right? That's the permission you're giving us there. And I appreciate that uh, walking in with new enrollment, with a, a humble uh, apology, and then starting over. That's really good. Um, if I'm not asking the right follow-up questions to Keith, make sure you get them in the chat box for anybody out there. We're watching that deal. Uh, you talked about the frameworks. 
you know, acknowledged um, our process, which, um, like I said, very a lot of influence from you, coaching base. And let me, let me just, Jason, let me just throw this out there. You guys are already light years ahead of most companies. Yeah, thank you. I, I just, it, it's important you guys hear this, um, and, and I'm not the one to blow proverbial smoke. I'm saying it because I need you guys to know this is hard. This is hard to shift to culture. All right. And most, and, and, I, and I say this to everyone, and I say it in an interview, and I say it in my training, and I post and blog about this relentlessly. It is very simple. Okay. If, if you're not hitting your goals, and if you're not driving deeper engagement and motivation, it's very simple. You're not coaching. And I challenge companies globally and say less than 1% of companies actually have a coaching culture. And you guys are already in the lead because you have great leaders like Jason uh, and Tracy that are committed to wanting to support you guys. And that's why I'm here as well for these guys. So, you know, I just want to say that's, that's, that's where it's coming from. Nice. Thank you for that. And be mobile leaders. I hope you all heard that. That's one more reason why we're the best. So Keith said it, stamp it. Um, we're, as we try and continue to get better at being the best, if that's a thing, uh, one of the stumbling blocks in the process occasionally can be where a coach is asking questions, is trying to co-create, and the person they are coaching gives them a wall of, I don't know the answer to that, I've tried everything, uh, I don't know. The I don't knows. What do you do when you run into the I don't knows in a coaching conversation? Well, so hold that thought in case I have a senior moment and forget. All right. Okay. So let's so let's break both of those down. So we have the I don't know, and we have the I've tried everything, boss. Sure. Yeah. But let's throw the other one in there, which is also one of my favorite. Yeah, I did something like that. That's a really slippery one. So, guys, coaches, leaders, don't let people off the hook. Let's be really clear here. Okay. I'm not a mathematician, but when someone says to you, I've tried everything, that is literally a mathematical impossibility. Think about that. I've tried everything. Well, when clients and leaders tell me they've tried everything and then they learn how to coach and they see the exponential impact they're having on behavior, performance, engagement, retention, client retention, internal retention, I, I guess I wasn't coaching. Okay. Well, Keith, I say something like that when I enroll people. No, if you didn't say it like that, very close to that, while keeping the spirit alive, weaving in your personality. No, you didn't do it. It's not, hey, Keith, I play golf. This is how I swing a club or something like that. Well, it is something like that, but it's certainly not going to get you anywhere on a golf course. So let's break down these, these ephemeral, these amorphous phrases that managers take the bait on, okay? Number one, I've tried everything. Mathematical impossibility. Don't slip into the interrogation of, did you try this, did you try this, did you try this, did you try this, did you try this? Mm. When someone says I've tried everything, you know what? And Jason, you're the only one that I can see right now. So I'm always going to use you as as uh, as, as 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 an example. Uh, well, Jason, you know what? I appreciate that. You know, may I ask just to make sure that we've really covered all the bases in the spirit of just you driving more business for for the company and for you. Um, you think you could unpack that a little more when you say you've tried everything? Can you walk me through what that means? 
Guys, that is called a springboard question. One of the most powerful questions you can use in any conversation in sales and leadership. Wicked important. Let me share it again. When people say, I'm stressed, overwhelmed, I want to be more successful, I'm feeling disengaged, uh, there's too much pressure on me to hit my quota. Do you have any idea what any of those words or adjectives mean to that person? No. But what do you do? You assume it. You assume that the words success, frustrated, stress, motivation, overwhelm are shared. That's the same definition, but no. So you go around the room and I ask everyone here, what's your definition of success or stress? While there might be some overlap, no two answers will be the same. So when someone says, I tried everything, you have no clue what that means. You need to ask a springboard question. When you say you've tried everything, how do you mean? Can you unpack that a little more? Or, you know, you're saying the customer is difficult and pushing back. Well, when you say they're difficult and pushing back, can you give me an example? Could you share more about that? You have no idea what that means otherwise. Okay, you know what it means to you, but you don't know what it means to them. So that's the first one. The second one, boss, I don't know. Jason, did I capture that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Tried everything we hit already. I don't know. All right. Now, there's a couple of approaches you can do here. And again, I want to give you guys the tools you can use right after this to execute right then in the next conversation store, wherever you are. If someone says, I don't know, <clears throat> what they may not know is a strategy. What they may not know is product knowledge. What they may not know is an strategy, product knowledge, the answer, okay? Because strategies, product knowledge, the answer is right or wrong. And when you ask people, so what do you think we should do here? Or what do you think the solution is? You're really putting them on the spot. And that's when they might say, boss, I don't know. That's why there is one word that I want each of you to change in your vocabulary right now. If there's one word you can change in your vocabulary right now is not what's the answer, what's the solution, what's your strategy, what's your opinion. You see, the thing with the word opinion is opinion is objective, okay? Opinion is agnostic because everybody has one they're not right or wrong they just are so let's play this out hey jason you know i really appreciate us having this conversation so given what you shared with me what's your opinion on on moving forward to achieve the result you want he can't come back to me and say i don't know because i'm going to go back and say you don't know your own opinion just an opinion man i'm just just asking for an opinion. You will always get a response. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna share with you the second strategy right here. Now, I'm just gonna preface it by, by saying this. When you ask the question I'm about to share with you, you have to say it with a straight face, okay? So someone comes to you and you're having a conversation with them and they say, I don't know. Well, Jason, if you didn't know, what would it look like? Mm -hmm. Well, Jason, if you did have to come up with an answer or an approach or a conversation to have with that customer, what would it sound like? 
What do they just do? I don't know. But if you did know, now I just removed the whole I don't know. But if you did know, I guarantee you will get an F. Well, I don't know. Well, what if you did know? Just say it with a straight face. I guarantee they might look at you strange, but you'll always get an answer. That's so good. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway, and I, I did not have this realization until this moment, Keith. Um, in those situations, I think I was placing blame on the I don't know or the I've tried everything, when in fact I should be blaming the question I asked that got that answer. Just simply rephrasing the question can get you to a different answer rather than Absolutely. That's why we showed up today, people. That's why we showed up today. That's good stuff. And Jason, I, I, we can't stress your point enough. Every word counts. Why do you think you have top salespeople, A, B, and C? It's because how they think, not necessarily their activity because they might be doing the same thing, but it's how they do it. It's mm -hmm. their output. It's also how they communicate. Yeah. That's the most important tool we have when we're selling and coaching and building relationships. How do we do that? We need to engage, communicate, make that human connection. That, that, that's something we didn't have to do as much three years ago before the pandemic. Today, more than ever, people want that human connection. So if you're thinking about the conversations you're having with anyone, are you bringing up that human part of 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 sales of our careers because there's no more line and i apologize for going off on a tangent here jason there's no more line between personal and professional life it's just life and i always ask the question you know and i know you guys are on site uh but that doesn't mean we still don't have virtual calls is uh you know are are you working from home or are you living at work think about that yeah are you allowing everyone else to own your day or are you taking control of it in your life and your routine because that's really where it starts you know if we don't have that at home we're not taking care of ourselves at home it's very difficult to take care of others at work so jason i know there was another question in there you asked me man, if you can no, I think I was just uh, reflecting on my own uh, um, uh, takeaways from this thing. So that's good. And um, I'm going to ride that tangent that you took us on because we do have a collection of leaders on this call that our district leaders have stores in, in different um, areas that they're not on site every single day. We've got work from home employees. We've even got a full virtual team, um, uh, a call center beehive. What advice do you have for those leaders that have to do remote coaching versus the in-person stuff? Because it's it's different. Uh, so is it different? Yes. To me, the only difference is the fact that as, as much as I like to give you a big hug, Jason, I can only give you a big virtual hug because, you know, we're building relationships on a one-dimensional screen here, okay? Uh, and if we're still having the same conversations, uh, that that we did, whether a salesperson or a manager, uh, that you did three years ago or two years ago before the pandemic, and you're still having them now, you're already set up for failure. The new sales and leadership strategy today is care. And if you look at your sales strategy or your coaching strategy, ask yourself, what in this strategy, in, in our conversations, because 
The conversations create reality. You change the conversation, you change the outcome. That's why coaching and selling is a surgical, precise language, which separates the A from the C players. So when we're going back to uh, talking about working with uh, people and, and engaging with them on a deeper level, uh, you know, Jason, you bring up that last point. If you could just remind me again, I know I was going off on a tangent. The just the advice for someone that's coaching remotely or leading remotely. Yeah. So now that I poured that foundation, uh, to me, the only thing that changes is just the location. Uh, the conversations are the second thing that changes because there are new conversations we need to have with people that we never had before. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, many conversations sound like, okay, we're going to have a meeting. Uh, you know, are you hitting your numbers? Are you making your calls? Are you hitting your quota? Uh, how many calls did you make? How many, you know, what's in your pipeline? How many referrals did you get? All very important questions. But those very questions in every meeting are the very conversations that are eroding trust and fostering disengagement, which is at an all-time high at 84%. 84% of people are disengaged at work and scared. Why? Because I truly believe it comes down to what we're not doing, which is re-engaging them with more deeper personal conversations. So I'm going to give you one right now. And by the way, Jason, there's a couple of things I'm sharing. I want to make sure that these templates, I want to send them over to you so that everybody has them as well. Like how to enroll people in coaching, uh, things like that. How to, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I want to come back and, you know, reset the conversation. What does that sound like? So I want to make sure everyone gets that. Um, in, in, in terms of uh, working with uh, people that, you had mentioned you're, you're coaching them and uh, uh, um, uh, the situation, give me, give me the situation again, because I keep losing it. The, the remote relationship, oh, and then you, you yeah. talked about the yeah. new conversations that need to be had. It, it's because to me, it's the same with just the change right. of conversations that quite frankly, we need to have face-to-face. -face. So what does that sound like? It sounds like this. <clears throat> so Jason, um, how do you, how have you managed to redefine your life and your routine in a way where you're still having balance in it in our new remote world? How are you turning work off at night so you can be present with your family? How do you separate and draw the boundaries at home between work time and personal time? How are you taking care of yourself? The one thing that got thrown out the window over the pandemic is self-care. Most people, most leaders, salespeople, anyone I speak with will say, oh, Keith, I used to take care of myself. I used to exercise three or four times a week. Now I'm not. Everything else is getting in the way. Well, let's be clear, okay? Whose fault is that? Not my fault, okay? That's your responsibility. Because here's the thing. Who owns your time? You do. And if you think... Anyone else does, you're lying to yourself. So what do we need to do? When clients say to me, Keith, I, you know, I lost my workout routine, my regimen. See, self-care is non-negotiable. It needs to be scheduled in your routine. And if you don't have the appointment with yourself, 
you don't have the commitment. And I'm not saying you have to do it every day. I want you to commit to what you know you can absolutely achieve in the worst case scenario so you can experience wins that you can build upon. If it's not scheduled, you don't have the commitment. No commitment, no appointment, no commitment. You know, that, that also bleeds into something else I just want to touch on because everything here is connected now is do you have a morning ritual? Ask yourself, do you, do you have a morning ritual? Now I can answer that question. You do. The question though you have to answer is, is it enriching me? Is it setting me up for a great day? Is it getting me reconnected to my values and, and being present? Because sometimes we wake up, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking about the thought I went to sleep with in the morning and I can be running right with that thought. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm just feeling really off and disconnected. Or we wake up, you know, take the kids to school, get ready, bring them to school, drop them off, you know, do errands, go back to the store. We just start running. The question I ask you is, when are you, take care of, when are you taking care of you? Now, I'm going to challenge each of you to create a 10-minute morning routine. 10 minutes. No one here can argue that you don't have 10 minutes to take care of just you in the morning. Now, what does that mean? What is self-care? It doesn't necessarily mean exercise or working out or going to the gym or taking a bike ride. It could mean taking a walk. It could mean getting your kids up for the day. If that gives you peace, purpose, and focus. It could mean taking the dog out for a walk. It could mean taking the time to read the Bible. It could be time for self-reflection and taking five minutes or 10 minutes just to, when I say meditate, in the most simplest form, I'm just talking about taking deep breaths just so you can get focused for the day. And I promise you, this is a life changer because if you're not taking time for you, you're just going to implode. You're yeah. just going to let every single other person own your day except you. It's good. Uh, everybody showed up for coaching advice. They did not know they were showing up for peace, purpose, and focus advice. So this is... Uh, well, that's, Jason, that's why you had to ask, uh, remind me of the question three times because I needed to make sure there was a lot in there that I covered it all. Yeah. No, this is good stuff. Uh, I'm going to segue now to some of the questions that were submitted um, before, and then I see uh, uh, Jake's got in the chat box here. We'll see if anything ends up in the chat box. Um, gosh, this hour is flying by, which is awesome. A question that came in was, how do you get high performers to do the little things? I mean, the high-performing sales partners in our in our on our sales floor still have the responsibility to clean the bathroom and make outbound calls and how do you get out someone that's really good to do the little things? Well, if I if I gave everyone a pop quiz right now and asked everyone here what strategy you need to approach this person to have this conversation, I hope at this point everyone would start with enrollment. I need to enroll this person because I'm noticing I got my A player but they're really not doing the things they need to be doing just as a baseline. Am I hearing that right, Jason? Yes, yep, okay. exactly. They're not coming to us at any point in time to say, hey boss, I just wanna let you know I'm crushing it, but I'm not doing the other stuff. You, you'll be waiting your whole career for that to happen. That's never happened. So we need to take the initiative. 
So we need to enroll them in having the conversation. So what could that sound like? Now I'm rifting right off the top of my head because you know our top salespeople, they, they're special, right? And sometimes they like to feel special and they, they like to be needed and, 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 and they wanna be included. And, and by the way, some top salespeople have a, have a desire to move into management and leadership. Now, let's just take that step back for a second. One thing top salespeople also have is this little thing called ego. It sounds hey, Keith, I wanna Keith, I wanna I don't take that break that it sounds like you're familiar with these people, almost as if maybe you were or are one. So speaking from a voice of experience, uh, I like that. Uh, a lot of ego in a salesperson. Good. Oh yes. And and you know, un unfortunately their uh, ego is the gateway to arrogance. Arrogance is the gateway mm -hmm. to ignorance. So um what we need to do is play on their ego. Strategy here, guys. Here we go. Language. I'm, I'm Zen rifting here, so you have to write this one down. And I have even an article on it, Jason. So just remind me. Uh, yeah. I'm approaching Jason. Jason's the top salesperson. By the way, can we take a step back for a second? We haven't defined what a top salesperson even is. Because if you ask a lot of people, a lot of managers say, oh, my top salesperson is probably the person that's putting up the most numbers. No, they're not. What if that top salesperson is, is really toxic? What if that top salesperson is actually driving your B players away? What if your, your top salesperson is creating a negative culture and atmosphere on your team that you now have to spend your days cleaning up the mess they made in their wake? To me, that's not a top salesperson. That's also an underperformer. Just want to put that out there. Now, uh, let's go with the top performer. Here's what you can do. Hey, Miss, hey, Jason, listen, man, can really use your help. Okay. Oh, you need my help. You need. Now, listen, you know you're you're crushing it here, right? And and you also know that everyone else, you know, looks up to you, you know, and 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 they, they respect you for your performance. And uh I would like to talk to you about the legacy you want to leave and how you want to be known, because I think there's a really great opportunity for us to work together um, to get you ready for your next step as a leader uh, in both, you know, preparation and mindset and working together on skill set. And uh, I would love to just start with talking about some things now that you can do that could actually make a really big impact on the team as well as on you, your performance, and your personal brand. So are you open to talking about that? Jason, it looks like I caught your attention. So now what do we do? Now we move into, listen, I noticed there were a few things that um, if you could just do would make an exponential impact and send such a positive message for the team. So let me share with you what those are. And guys, now you get to be direct. You get to be direct because you guys know my intention. My intention is, I want you to build your personal brand. I need your help. I want to make you more successful. I want to position you for your next career move. Okay, you've got my attention now. You can be direct now and say, here's what I noticed. I noticed that, you know, you're not filling out, you know, the CRM or you're not, you know, closing out the, you know, the deals and you're leaving your paperwork, uh, you know, undone. Yeah. How do you think that's going to impact your brand? 
How do you think that's going to impact how people feel about you? What if you change that? What would that mean for you? What would be the impact if you don't change? How can I best support you in making these changes and holding you accountable in a positive and supportive way? Here's your coaching conversation, guys. And I believe that was less than five minutes. Well, actually, the questions were about one minute. So let's just shatter another myth here. For every manager that says coaching takes too long, I hope we just shatter that myth right now, okay? Because you can either give the answer and it takes a minute and you'll be giving them the answer for the rest of their career, or you could spend five minutes actually going deeper, seeking to understand their point of view, get closure on an issue and develop them and resolve that issue completely. Your choice. Yeah. I like, I mean, the way you enroll them and have, are you willing to impact your team, um, your performance, your personal brand, this high performer, if they're not, to your earlier point, they've kind of redefined themselves as an underperformer at this point because they're not willing to enroll in that conversation. So uh, that's really good. I've got a, another question that was submitted that it's along the same lines and I'll see if maybe if there's any further advice or if the advice is any different, but uh, we've got some locations where the staff size is small, where one person could represent, I mean, sometimes 60 to 70% of the volume in that location. Kind of a similar thought, but if that person, how do you empower a leader to address that person and get over the fear of if I, if I hold them accountable or if I coach them too frequently, they might leave and take that 70% of my business with me, with them, excuse me. Well, we have how many coaches on this call? Oh, what do we? We got a hundred or so in the company. Sixty-four. Oh, fantastic! We have over a hundred coaches. This is fantastic. Okay, guys, put your coaching hat on right now. If you were to coach Jason on this scenario, what do you start with? What's the first thing you need to do? I'll give I you. Just, I'll sell you a letter. E. I suspect it's enrollment. Is it? Yep, there it comes. Good job, Alina, Stacy. Here it comes. There you go. Enrollment. That's what it's about. So what would it sound like if we had to enroll people like this? Think about it. Think about what would it sound like. Now, guys, if, if you're sitting there struggling about what enrollment would sound like, you're stuck in your head. Okay? The best coach is coach from the head. So listen to what you really want to say. And most people say, Keith, well, what I really want for them is to be successful. Great, there's your enrollment right there. And I need to share with them what's getting in their way. Great, there's your enrollment right there. And I want to ask them if they're open up to having this conversation. You just set your own enrollment. There it is. You just honor the framework right there. So Jason, I want to now piggyback uh, to, to your last question here. Uh, I know we have this question from the uh, the group. Can you just uh, uh, rephrase that one for me so I can make sure I tackle it completely? So how do you kind of push through the fear of losing your highest performer? Um, yeah, when you feel dependent, can you still coach when you're dependent probably is another Perfect. way to phrase that. So again, I'm gonna put, I want everyone to put your coaching hats on. If you were to coach in this situation, what are you hearing? If you were to coach, let's say it's Jason's issue, which is not. If, if you were to coach Jason in this situation, what might you be hearing as a root cause, which will make any of the rest of the conversation absolutely irrelevant? I'll sell you a letter. 
A. Oh, very close. Someone wrote fear. It's the cousin of fear. It's the sibling of fear. Assumptions. Mm. Past experiences projected as a future negative expectation. What's fear? Past experiences projected as a future negative expectation. What's missing? The positive expectation. Why? Because we're really clear with what we don't want to happen in life based on our experiences. And as we get older, we get hardened by our experiences. And we say, this is how life is. No, coaching, the definition, is the art and language of creating new possibilities. In every conversation, in every interaction, what will make your job exciting, what will make your seller's job exciting is what new possibility can I create for this person? That's the exciting part. You know, so, so you know, you know go, going back to... Um, a situation where uh, you you have the person, right, Jason? You have a person who's uh, what what they're they're resistant to the coaching, or uh, what was what was that scenario again? I think it even is the fear that they might be, and they just depart. Thank you for that. That's how I wanted everyone to hear again because I know we're connected. Is that word fear? I shared with you who the cousin of fear is: assumptions. So the first thing I would say to this coach right now who's asking the questions is, what assumptions are you making right now? Mm. And they'll say, well, Keith, you know, you know, what if they're, what if I don't get it right? What if, what if I mess it up? What if I don't get the result I want? What if they're not open to the coaching? Okay, well, what if the moon falls? What if the sky turns purple? I mean, we can play what ifs all day long. What if they are open to coaching? What if they're excited about coaching? What if they want to grow? What if they are looking for you to be looking for accountability to grow? It all comes down to languaging, okay? Right now, assumptions are the root cause of all evil because assumptions prevent asking questions because you're either assessing or you're assuming. So when managers say to me, is, which I love when they say this, you know, Keith, I don't think that's going to work on some of my people. Now, I used to take the bait on that in the beginning of my career. 30 years later, my response is, oh, really? You're saying, you know, your people wouldn't be responsive to that. May I ask, have you tried it yet? Well, no. Mm. Well, then how do you know? Assumptions get in the way of action, inaction, conversations. And one of the most powerful questions any leader can ask in every conversation, guys, I am telling you right now, you ask this question, let me say it in a different way. Revenue is going up, baby. Okay, here we go. What assumptions, if any, might you be making about, fill in the blank. What assumptions, if any, might you be making about this customer? What assumptions, if any, might you be making about the fact that this customer didn't get back to you? What assumptions are you making about your performance? What assumptions are you making about your peers? What assumptions are you making about the... I can keep going, guys, because I guarantee you, as I sit here now, they will always have assumptions, and that will get you immediately to root cause so you can coach them through it. Uh, good. <laughs> we're gonna leave. We're running into the. We're running into the clock here, and um, we're gonna leave some questions that were submitted 
uh, both in the chat box and then earlier unanswered. But even as I look at them and think about some of the points that you've shared today, I think you've answered them. So I, I think these people, if they're listening, I think they've answered them. But just with that, in the last two minutes, what's your wrap up Keith Rosen's best advice for us? Um, how do we answer all of our future coaching quandaries? Well, I think the first thing we, we you know, if there was a mantra, you know, um, people create the mindset. Mindset shapes behavior. Behavior defines culture and culture determines success. So if there's one internal transformational shift that we all need to make as leaders to start with, that's why the primary objective of every organization and of management is to make your people more valuable every day. So as I said, it's not as a leader waking up and thinking, how am I gonna make my business objectives this month? It's waking up and thinking, how am I going to make my people more valuable today than they were yesterday? That's the shift managers all need to make. And just remember going back quickly because we've touched on it. So just as something that you can use literally uh, in every conversation, and I'm going to send this to you, my 60 second sales coaching conversation. And I'll just share it with you right now because it'll take 10 seconds is if someone comes over to you, you always have a choice. You can lead with the answer, or you can lead with the question. And you can always lead with, hey, Jason, thanks for coming to me. I really appreciate that. And I'd love to share with you my opinion. However, you're much closer to the situation than I am. And I trust you and I trust your judgment. So what's your opinion on how to handle this move forward, achieve the results you want? That's took 20 seconds and I'm from New York. That's Okay, guys, you could do that all day long. I'll make sure you have that template as well. So that's the mindset. That's the fundamental shift that we need to make. Uh, and if I was to just wrap up with a very, very quick story, uh, I was in Ireland, one of my favorite countries, and uh, we were wrapping up day two of our leadership coach training program. And uh, one of the managers raised their hand and we were debriefing and the manager said, Keith, listen, I am totally committed to coaching, um, you know, this is blowing my mind. I know what I need to do to be the best leader I can, but I have a challenge. I'm struggling with how I'm going to fit coaching around all of my other responsibilities. Before I could respond, another manager jumped in and said, wait a second, you need to look at this differently. You can't ask yourself how you're going to fit coaching around all of your other responsibilities you need to ask yourself how you're going to fit all of your other responsibilities around coaching. Mm. That is the shift that makes your people truly the priority. So thank you, Jason. Uh, just before I wrap up, a um, couple of things. Uh, guys, if I, as I said this before, and I'll say it again, like it or not, I'm your coach for life. Just so you know, you have my contact information. If not, my email address, KeithR at KeithRosen.com. My mobile number, 516-231-2774. If you need me, I'm here for you, okay? No one has to go through this alone. And by the way, look around you. 
look to your left, look to your right. You have a hundred different peers there that support you as well. And I guarantee there's an opportunity for every manager here to better leverage the collective wisdom of the team. So uh, Jason, again, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, thank you for the opportunity to contribute uh, to the team and certainly wish everyone extreme success and keep on coaching. Oh, thank you so much, Keith. Thank you for your time this morning, the, the advice, the stories, the knowledge, and, and even access. That's pretty incredible. You shared your phone number at our summit. I jotted it down and I texted you about four months later and you texted back. So it's a real number, everyone. He is not just yeah, don't be sitting there just texting me to see if it's real. If you have a real <laughs> question, just ask me, okay? It's very cool. I would ask everybody that's on, before you leave, drop in the chat box, best takeaway, thing you're going to go do right now, some sort of action, a commitment. Um, put that in there. It's good to, I think, capture that. The commitment makes, makes power. And like Keith said, you make your mindset. Mindset shapes behavior. Behavior makes culture, and culture drives our success. So... Here's to big success for all of our store leaders and district leaders and team leaders, every, all the leaders on the call. We got three days to finish the month strong. Take advantage of your summer friends and family coupons, clean out VZ Engage leads, get your Conic devices out of the, the, the inventory rooms. Guys, we are decimal points away from winning our sixth Agent of the Month award this year. So we're so close. Um, thank you all, all you leaders for putting us in a position to win. Take Keith's advice today and apply it and I'm, I'm like this will slam dunk we'll take this to the bank so um thank you again keith thank you all leaders for the time this morning and uh thank you for the chats that are coming in i'm anxious to go read these thank you have guys. a great week keith. Uh, appreciate your commitment to your success and to everyone else's so remember the abcs always be coaching talk to you Love soon Bye -bye. thanks keith All right, team, please take a moment and put your top takeaways down before you leave. Much appreciated. Love to hear your thoughts. That was a great call. Um, yeah, fantastic. And again, thank you for the chat box popping. Um, yeah, perfect.